Merry Christmas! Ho, 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 This is a disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. I'm Peter, and I'm here with my co-host, Lee. Hi. And you're joining us for our Christmas morning episode. Yay! Good morning, children. I hope you got more than a disaster. I hope your Christmas wasn't a disaster. Yeah, I hope you didn't get a a present of lava. Why would that? How would you even box that? It wouldn't. It would have to come down the chimney. (laughs) I hope in a torrent. I hope lava didn't come down your chimney for Christmas. Hopefully not. If it did... Probably don't listen to a podcast. Yeah. Deal with the lava coming down your chimney. Maybe take your mind off it. Or you thought you would, and then someone's talking about the lava that came down your chimney. Sorry about that. So Lee's got a disaster for us today. Before we dive into that, I'm going to do some uh, basic housekeeping like I always do. If you're new, thanks for joining. Welcome. Great way to finish your uh, your year is to join us on our many disasters. If you want to be completely in the know... Go back and check out our previous episodes. You don't need to. It's not like a prerequisite. We don't do inside jokes or anything, but a lot of times we'll talk about them and it's good to be in the know, I imagine. I like being in the know. Yeah, I do too. You should listen to all the previous episodes. Just, just listen to all the previous episodes. Be a jerk. Be a fair weather fan. They're eight. Yeah. If you want to help us out, best way you can do that is subscribe if you're not already. Tell your friends to listen and uh, leave us a review wherever you listen. And now I'm just going to let Lee take it away. So Lee, Hi. take it away, Lee. Hey, everyone. Hi, Lee. Christmas Day. Yeah. You know. In your jammies. In your jammies. The the presents are unwrapped. Maybe it's like that lull between brunch and dinner. Yeah. You got some time. You can put on a podcast. Nobody's arguing yet. No. <clears throat> or they're just not arguing right now. You're just in the... Uh, yeah. The argument started dinner. <laughs> <laughs> That's when this stuff hits the fan. All right. I had a, I had a look for mm-hmm. some uh, Christmas-related disasters, and mm-hmm. I found one. Hey. This is called... The Black Christmas Disaster. I like it already. No relation to the amazing, amazing Canadian horror movie that came out in 1972. Really? Which you should watch if you haven't. No, what's it called? Black Christmas. Oh, hey. It's so good. Awesome. There's two remakes. Really? I haven't seen either of them. One of them's coming out as we speak, probably, but... Is someone... Is there a scene in one of the remakes, at least, where somebody's making, like, cookies out of someone's flesh? Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen them. Oh, okay. I don't know. Spoiler. That's interesting. (laughs) I want to hear more about that movie. So no, this is not anything to do with the movie Black Christmas. It's called The Black Christmas Disaster. Okay. So I'm going to take you back to 1946, Christmas Day in Shanghai. In Shanghai. Now, Shanghai is located on China's eastern shore, Mm -hmm. where the Yangtze and the Huangpu rivers run into the East China Sea. Okay. The weather in Shanghai is much like that in San Francisco. So you got like okay. a morning fog. Okay. Almost always. Right. That usually burns off by noon. Okay. I'm not going to test to that because I was in San Francisco this summer. Oh, no. It's I was very thought foggy. I thought you were going to say Shanghai. And, uh, I didn't know wish. about that. <laughs> right. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> Hopped over to China. Those sound like lovely mornings. Oh, I know. The sunrise through the, through the fog. Lovely. However, on this particular day in 1946, mm-hmm. December 25th, right. uh, the fog grew thicker as Ooh. the day wore on. That's not good. And at the city's Lunghua Airport, Mm -hmm. visibility had reached zero. Uh Uh-oh. Pilots were forced to circle for hours, burning up fuel reserves as they searched for any sign of the runways below. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, 46. So we don't have like, we don't have GPS or anything. No, I'll, this I'll is, tell you what we got. Oh, okay, sorry. I'm going to get right I'm not going to, I'm not going to. But we definitely don't have GPS. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Nothing yeah. of the sort. Jeez. So yeah, the mood inside the airport 
turned from celebratory to nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, World War II. Yeah. Still a very fresh memory. Right. While most other countries were attempting to rebuild mm-hmm. and get back to normal, uh, China was still in the midst of his own civil war, uh, that being between the nationalists under Chiang Kai-shek mm-hmm. and the communists under Mao Zedong. Right. So due to this, most of the country's money was still being spent on the war effort. Right. With very little left yeah. over for repairing war damage, nor for improving infrastructure. So everyone more else war. is like, whew, thank God that war is behind exactly. us. Exactly. China China's like, what, like, what, are you, what are you talking about? What do you mean? No. Don't you have another war to fight? So Longhua Airport was a hub for two Chinese airlines. Yep. The China National Aviation Corporation. Mm. Or the CNAC. Yeah. And the Central Air Transport Corporation, CATC. Okay. And for this, it was abysmally ill-equipped. Oh, boy. Its runways were composed of grass and gravel. Okay. Which made it difficult to spot on a clear day. Uh-huh. You had fog to the mix and the single light at the end of each runway became virtually invisible. Spend more money on lights. Spend more. <laughs> Why have one? Light that sucker. Why just one? Light those suckers up. <laughs> Especially if it's a field. Civil war, civil schmore. Yeah, right. You know, peel off a few bucks. <laughs> the pilots will become solely dependent on a radio beacon. Which okay. is, I mean, there's the airport. Somewhere yeah. down there, see that light going, me, me. Fair enough. That's, uh, that's like what uh, radio beacon that, Remember where I talked about the Doolittle raid during the Bomber Blitz episode? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I think yeah. they were relying on a radio beacon in to navigate to China after bombing Japan. Right. And then they that didn't that didn't go well. This episode uh, reminds me of the Bomber Blitz oh, episode. Nice. Okay, perfect. Yeah, in perfect a, context. In a couple ways. If you're only going to listen to one episode before this one, <laughs> listen to episode two. Jump back to the episode two. <laughs> yeah. Kind of on theme. Yep. Just 15 miles north of Longhua, yeah. you had the Qianguan Airfield. Okay. And it was still under operation by the U.S. military. Okay. They were working with a revolutionary new technology that the British had developed and installed during the war. It's called the Ground Control Approach. Okay. The GCA. Okay. System. Okay. It comprised two oscillating radar antennas set up next to the runway. Okay. One scanned the airspace up and down. Right. And the other side to side to about 30 miles out. Okay. Uh, in poor weather, a tower operator could locate inbound aircraft on a radar scope that displayed two paths. Mm-hmm. One showed how far to the left or right the aircraft was from the inbound path. Yeah. The other showed how far above or below the path was. Oh, that's kind of neat. Pretty, pretty darn simple. Yeah. And yeah, one of those like simple engineering solutions that yeah. make total sense. Yeah. I mean, obviously the mechanics is incredibly Sure, intricate, yeah. well, but yeah, just, yeah. you know, the, in theory, it's an, that's what it is. An elegant solution. Exactly. Yeah. Using these cues, the controller would talk the pilot down into visual contact with the runway and hopefully a smooth landing. Right. And I'm assuming they had runways that weren't just glorified <laughs> soccer pitches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would think they're a little more, de- you know, fair enough. Yeah. More developed. Yeah. Um, but you're basically, this is, we're talking about the, the, the birth of air traffic controllers. Yeah, that's awesome. So... Cool. I that's didn't know it started in the war. Huh. Well, yeah, the big I guess war. That, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah. All the aircraft required was a functioning two-way radio and a pilot with basic instrument flying skills. Okay. And they're just talking I'm, I'm assuming we're only going to hear about competent pilots that are well-equipped. Exactly. Uh, the system remained strictly military until 1952, mm-hmm. until it went into general service at Washington National Airport outside D.C., 
and then became commonplace. Say what you want about military spending, but we get a lot of nice things from the military. Mm -hmm. We've, we have the ability to find out where we are within three meters because of GPS, yes. because of the military. <laughs> we have the internet because of the military. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would imagine any, anything high tech has <laughs> got its start there. We probably have How can the, we use it to kill? Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> or, yeah. And then how can we use Not it to killed. make screens on our smartphones? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. William McDonald was the CNAC's chief pilot. Yep. McDonald was concerned about his airline's safety procedures, possibly due to the 32 CNAC crashes in the region that had killed over 100 people over the past three years. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's reason for concern. It is confidence. Concern. That is, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe the whole shitty runway system with one <laughs> right. light is not just like, eh. Maybe it's also an attitude Maybe problem. Do that. Yeah. This year, we're going to get it down to 34. <laughs> that's right. Why don't we target zero? Uh, he insisted that company pilots get training on the GCA system's Toot sweet. Did he say toot sweet? Um, probably not. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I added that in. I'm gonna. I'm gonna not pretend he said toot sweet. Toot sweet, people. Not, yeah. <laughs> What's he talking about? He doesn't speak French. In order to use Kiangwan, the airfield, yep, as a failsafe, but Kiangwan's control tower suffered from a faulty power supply. Oh boy. Because of this, the radar system only functioned 75% of the time. Well, you know, that's most of the time. That's that's three quarters of the time. <laughs> it's better than what they had before. <laughs> exactly. You a single flashlight Nail at the end the of time. a graveled path. Yeah, we're getting there. Oh, God. <laughs> Good. Good. Um, Just try to, try to be Mr. Brightside. You got to be Mr. Brightside. You got to yep. look the positive. Yep. No, you don't. You got to get shit done. That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Of the 42 CNEC pilots who got themselves up to speed on the system, only a few were able to complete a GCA landing by the end of that year. Okay. So early in the day on December 25th, yep. 1946, McDonald was informed of degrading weather conditions. Okay. After some communication with Kiangwan, he made the call to close Longwa okay. and sent everyone home except an officer, a clerk, and a Morse code operator. And they spent the day playing solitaire and then went <laughs> home to their families. Yeah, actual solitaire <laughs> with guards. Right. No, they didn't. So Pan Am exec Lincoln Reynolds mm -hmm. arrived at the airport around 6 a.m. hoping okay. to get the first flight to Nanking, only to find it closed. Hmm. He was in Shanghai to work with Chinese officials okay. in modernizing and expanding CNAC services as CNAC was a Pan Am subsidiary. He waited several hours then returned to town, possibly with a sense of relief, mm -hmm. as in 1933, he had suffered a broken neck in an right. airplane crash after oh. his CN CNAC flight out of Shanghai took off despite heavy fog. Oh, shit. So we all know that kind of relief. Yeah. I really don't want to take this. Oh, it's closed. It's closed. We're going uh, home. We're going home. We're going home. Going home. Going home. Damn Call it. Off. Sorry. Off. <laughs> you know, we can just get them back to, nah, I don't want to put you out. I'm just going to head back to the hotel. It's going to go back home. Yeah. It's in the hotel. Yeah. The Nowhere. hotel is not going to take off and fog <laughs> and break my frigging neck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Senior tower operator Ronald Klein, scheduled for a midnight shift, was called in early. He wrote a report. Okay. Uh, on this whole event. Sweet. So I'm I'm quoting him quite a bit. Okay. That's where the quotes come from. Well, that'll that just sense. Yeah, for a From the horse's mouth. Yeah, exactly. From the air, air, airplane's cockpit. <laughs> uh, he recounts that the morning started out calm. He says, the Office of Flight Operations at Longwa Airport had had very little to do all day. It had been raining persistently with low cloud and fog dominating the whole eastern seaboard. The large influx of American servicemen to the city over the past year 
guaranteed a surfeit. That's a word. Yep. Right. Sure is. Did I say it right? Yeah. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> uh, of parties and dances at military bases and clubs. Lots of parties. I'm just, I'm just, lots of I'm, parties. I'm criticizing his word choice. Well, just say lots. It was it was a long time ago. Lots. Just, <laughs> they they had the word plenty. Lot. They, they had the word. They lots had the word lots. He's <laughs> an elegant. Spoken man, yeah, fair enough. Among the partiers was CNAC pilot Peter Gautier. Hey, good day. He probably said too sweet he, he on a daily basis. He probably did, yeah. <laughs> Gautier, uh, who had this to say By the time I arrived back at the house, the weather was zero zero, no visibility at all. Oof. It now sounded as if there were several planes milling around upstairs. Oh boy, Ish. that's not good. Yep. So by late afternoon, the little staff that was left were all aware of four flights en route to Shanghai, okay. all originating from Chongqing. That, that's about a thousand miles west okay. of Shanghai. These would be CNAC flights 115, yeah. 140, mm. and 147, mm. and CATC flight 48. Okay. Piloting flight 140 was Captain James Greenwood, originally from Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. He was an accomplished pilot who had come to China because the salaries were better there. Flight 140 was a DC-3 with 27 passengers and two other crew members, was scheduled to make several stops, including one at Nanking. That airport was eventually closed as well. Right. Greenwood learned this whilst circling above after many fog-addled attempts of landing. Oh, shit. Flight 115 was being piloted by Captain Rolf B. Pruess. 115 was a C-46 okay. carrying 31 passengers and a crew of three. Okay. They were in good hands. Right. I, must, I imagine a lot of these were like war pilots. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't say specifically, but... <clears throat> yeah, kind of like... Uh, what was his name? Smith. Forget his first name. From the Bomber Blitz. Bomber Blitz. Yeah, like these yeah. are people that... You know, they might be young, like 27 or whatever, but they've been through exactly. hell. I mean, this guy's 30. I mean, I mean, he's been through it all, I'm no, sure. No, for sure, yeah. By then. <laughs> 30, if you made it through the war as a bomber pilot and you're 30, it's old you're age. basically like a, yeah, <laughs> how did you you're do that? So, so not not inexperienced pilots. No, okay, not at all. Yeah. These are cool, calm, and collected customers. Mm -hmm. Pruis, age 30, uh, experienced pilot, having spent almost a year flying the route over the Himalayas, known as the hump, considered the most hazardous flight path in the world wow. due to unfavorable weather conditions, a lack of reliable charts, and an absence of radio navigation aids. Okay. Growing increasingly concerned about the fog, Prius radioed Greenwood whilst the two circled Nanking. Mm -hmm. They decided that their best chance was to fly on to Shanghai. As opposed to turning around, I guess. Yeah, that would have been their best chance. Why is it? Why why is it never turning around? I know. I mean, I guess. Okay, I can't say never. <laughs> Easy for us to say. We don't hear. That. We don't hear about the disasters where people <clears throat> didn't turn around because those aren't disasters, <laughs> no. or where that where they did turn That's around. Not news because those aren't disasters. The, the The plane crashes stick in your head because you hear about them. The thousands of planes that land safely don't. <laughs> That's right. So according to that, all planes crash. Basically, yeah. Anyway, the point is, turn around. <clears throat> Always, turn, when in doubt, turn around. When in doubt, turn around. Whether you're in a car or a plane, turn around. <laughs> Just cut your losses. Yeah. Let that be your motto. Yep. Flight 147 saw Francis Joseph Michaels at the helm. Okay. He's born in Belgium, mm. but he learned to fly in the U.S. Okay. in the civilian training program during World War II. 
He later became an instructor, training U.S. and British military pilots in California. Mm -hmm. He joined CNAC in September 1945. Flight 147 was also a C-46, carrying 17 passengers and three crew. Right. The lone CATC flight... 48, was piloted by Tommy Wing. Okay. Born in Chicago, mm-hmm. Wing was previously a CNAC pilot. Due to a payroll snafu where Chinese pilots were paid considerably less than American pilots, mm-hmm. Wing being placed on the Chinese scale, he attempted to supplement his income by smuggling cigarettes, was found out, and was fired. And then he went on to form an airport in, in small town America called Wings. <laughs> <laughs> and Tony Shalhoub worked there. Was there was like a funny mechanic. Yeah. And we all watched it and laughed we and all those careers took off. Very, very white some people, people problems. Some and... people went on to play Cardassians in Star Trek, I think. And others were in Sideways with Paul Giamatti. That's right. THC. I feel they've derailed us. <laughs> Tell us more about Wing. <laughs> he didn't do any of that. Oh, damn it. What he actually did was he was hired by CATC. Okay. Which worked out for him in the end is they paid the same wages to all our crew. Oh, nice. And you just like walked in and said, they fired me. Will you hire me? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Different times. <clears throat> Different times. Okay, boomer. Like, ah, okay. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> flight 48 was a C-47 with seven passengers and three other crew members. Right. So there's your flights. Yeah. There's the four flights. Wow. This is what we're going to talk about. Okay. So flight 48 yeah. <clears throat> with wing in the cockpit. Was the first to reach Shanghai. Yep. He was given permission to land at Kiangwan military base. Okay. Once there, he was instructed to attempt a GCA approach, a system he had never used. Oh, good. Mm. So we got oh. another quote here from Ronald Klein. Mm-hmm. You want to say something? No, no. Yeah. I'm just saying that I'm very excited to see how him <laughs> using a system he's never used before goes. Oh, just flawless. <laughs> oh, sure. Let's see. Mm-hmm. So Ronald Klein says, the first warning at the enormity of what was to follow was a call from Kiangwan Air Base, mm-hmm. a CATC flight had made several attempts to land there, but all attempts had failed despite the best efforts of their radar-assisted landing procedures. Crap. And this is presumably people that knew how to use the system. I'm going to say, yeah. I mean, the people at the airfield, I'm sure they were well-versed. Well, not what you want to hear. No. So CNAC pilot Oliver Glenn Mm -hmm. had managed to avoid flying that particular Christmas day as he was recovering from pneumonia at the time. Lucky. (laughs) Right. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. yeah That's I mean, about, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I've, I've actually had pneumonia like twice. Oh, really? Twice? It's, it is awful. It sounds awful. I've dodged the pneumonia bullet. Water far. in your lungs, right? And crazy fevers. <sighs> I remember I had, this is the weirdest memory that's probably going to get cut, but <laughs> I remember <laughs> I, I went to, like I thought I was okay, and then I went to Canadian Tire with my mom. Okay. I must have been like 12, maybe. And then I remember like we went through or whatever. I went to get, this was in the winter, obviously, but I was getting, like spring was coming. So I wanted to get like those bullhorns for my bike, you know, like super on mountain bikes. You had like those things you'd put up on the, on the handlebars that you can like kind of. You can lean on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, we got a pair of those from Canadian Tire and then walking back to the car, (laughs) I remember getting like a, one of those crazy like shivers down my spine. Right. Uh, and it turns Ugh. out that I wasn't I wasn't better at all. And then <laughs> the next thing I remember is like being on the couch with a ridiculous fever. I'm talking like pushing 40 degrees Celsius. Oh. Very high. I'm not sure what that would be in Fahrenheit. So your last memory was being in the parking lot and you woke up on the couch? More or less. More or less. Like I, I didn't I didn't like pass out, but I was like, like oh. basically I don't remember getting home and then 
I think I had a dream of riding down a mountain, but on the couch, like the couch. I was on the couch, riding the couch down a mountain and yeah. holding on to those bullhorns I had bought from Canadian Tire. <laughs> shoved him into the arm of the couch. Anyway, my, the point is, is that if pneumonia was a better choice for this guy, I'm excited to hear the rest of this story. All right. <laughs> you have pneumonia at 12. Yeah. Jeez. It was, it was messed up. That sucks. I got to get in high school. <laughs> I think... I think you're feeling when poorly I, when I go. It's because of pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Twice. I mean, maybe, yeah, it's maybe tried that's twice. It. Yeah. Pneumonia's like fuck it. I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm moving on. This kid's <laughs> resilient. I'm talking to Oliver Glenn here. Yeah. He later recounted what he'd heard from another pilot who was on the ground at Longwa that night. Yeah. Quote: Wing had probably never heard of a GCA and certainly had never practiced one. Okay. He shot the approach, but must have been a little high and mm-hmm. was told to. Take a wave off. Take a wave off. I think that means just like take another pass out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think it might even be like a military term where they just wave you off to like go and not land essentially. I think I've heard it in the context of like aircraft carriers. Right. But Yeah, it makes sense. Anyway. So around 5.45 p.m., Wings aircraft banked to the left on descent. Mm -hmm. The C-47 struck the roof of a nearby building and cartwheeled into a neighborhood, killing several people on the ground. Oh my God. Uh, All 11 souls on flight 48 were lost. That escalated quickly. Yeah. Jesus. The plane crashed. It did. It did. Okay. (laughs) Well, I guess I should have seen that coming. Yeah. But oh my God. Cartwheeled into a neighborhood. Yeah. So not only was this airfield woefully underdeveloped, I guess, one, (laughs) one light, this is the same airfield? I think we're at the military airfield now. Okay. But still, just imagine like yeah. you're coming out of dense fog and yeah, oh, shut up! right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like you don't even know what happens. Screaming up at you, don't even know what happens because like you can't see anything. No. So Terrible. we know in retrospect that his wing hit a building, but for him, he was making a descent and then he was cartwheeling. Clunk. Yeah, exactly. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So Pan Am's Lincoln Reynolds, the uh, the fellow who crashed in '33, right, broke his neck. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It was at a nearby pilot's house getting ready for Christmas mm-hmm. when the phone rang at 6.45 with news of the crash. Yeah, right. He was additionally shocked to hear that there were still three more CNAC flights trying to make a landing. After stepping outside for a look at the weather, only to assess that he couldn't see more than 100 feet in any direction, Jeez. he and the other pilot rushed back to the airport. Despite the failure of Flight 48, w- William McDonald still believed that the GCA was the best hope of okay. getting everyone safely on the ground. In theory. In theory. It was their <laughs> only it hope. sounds like the best hope, but yeah. if you yeah. know how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> Once flights 140 and 147 arrived over Shanghai, mm-hmm. McDonald felt he had no other option but to order Captains Greenwood and Michaels to Kiangwon. Okay. Greenwood arrived first, but he found he couldn't establish contact with the tower due to an intermittent radio failure in his DC-3. Ugh. Unable to use the GCA system, he turned back to Lungwa, mm-hmm. leaving Michael circling Kiangwan at 4,000 feet. Okay. This uh, fucking nightmare. Sorry. Just like even <sighs> picturing these radio systems. I know. Like if it's not the fact that they haven't used this GCA yeah. procedure, it's a friggin' radio one. These are fucking, I'm assuming that these are radios that are still tube based <laughs> and yeah. maybe I'm, I, I don't know if probably talking out of my ass. It's probably but, like a glorified CB. Yeah. It's awful. Like yeah. nowhere near the kinds of radios that we have now that I'm assuming use like satellite. And right. Right. Clear as a bell. <sighs> and so many redundancies, right? 
at, the, at this time, I'm sure it's the radio that you have. And if it breaks, uh, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, have, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm assuming that there's at least like 11 radios on an airplane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. So at Langwa, uh, McDonald ordered the ground crew to pour strips of gasoline okay. along the runways and light them hmm. to make up for the dim beacon now failing to penetrate the fog. I mean, I like where your head's at. <laughs> Uh, too little, too late. Well, okay. Also too little, too late. (laughs) Also without knowing where this story is going, I'm going to say regardless, lighting a strip of gasoline on fire at an airport. (laughs) I mean, now they're just, they're just going for broke, but I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You know, just land, but then get the hell off the highway. (laughs) Why don't we guide them down by shooting at them with a machine gun and the tracers will show them. Exactly. (laughs) Just shoot a bazooka into the general direction. (laughs) Follow the smoke. I mean, the bitter irony if they made the landing and then the plane catches on fire. God. McDonald talked to Greenwood as best he could through the faulty, stupid shit radio, attempting to calmly guide the pilot in. You're right. Another quote from Klein. Mm -hmm. In the tower, his engines could be clearly heard, Mm -hmm. but his flashing navigation lights were invisible, nor had anyone seen his forward landing lights. Okay. Having returned to the airport from his Christmas preparations, Reynolds climbed up to the hangar roof, listening as the aircraft made low passes over the runway. That's scary. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah, I know. It's just like, like I can, oh, I can hear it. So close. I can hear it. Yeah, but I can't. I can't even see it. No, it's like being in a pitch black room and holding your hand in front of your face and you can't see. Yeah, it. yeah. Except it's not your hand. It's a freaking well, airplane. <laughs> full of people. Full of people. Terrifying. In so doing, he couldn't help but relive his own crash. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says. All was deathly silent on the field. Mm -hmm. The only sound was that of the plane in the distance getting louder and louder as it approached the field from the southwest. I was shaking so hard I could barely conceal it from those around me. That'll bring back some memories. Yep, bringing it back. Shortly thereafter, Greenwood calmly announced over the radio that he had lost an engine. Oh, boy. Uh, Client says, McDonald stepped out onto the outer balcony of the tower in case the aircraft could be seen. Mm -hmm. The spluttering of an engine was heard, then an eerie silence for a few seconds. Uh-oh. The impact exploded from the wet darkness with mind-shattering force. Ugh. Flight 140 was the second aircraft to go down. Jesus. <clears throat> so it just yeah. hit the ground. Hit the ground. Ran out of gas. Yeah. Oh, Ran out of gas. God. Oh, the engine died. And yeah. Yeah. Hit oh. the ground in a field. Good oh boy. Did yeah. they even see where it hit? Do you know? Or did they just hear it hit? They heard it. Yeah. But then they... Went yeah. to the scene. But right. that's, that's almost even worse. Like you hear it flying around and then you hear it crash. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I like, have no idea mm-hmm. what's happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. So uh, rescue personnel, including CNAC's chief doctor, Charles F. Hui, mm-hmm. rushed to the crash site. Klein reported that, quote, Greenwood had aligned his aircraft correctly, but out of fuel, he stalled. Ugh. So you're right. He ran out of fuel. So he, but, so but he was, he on was the right all path. lined up. Yeah. Sucks. Yeah. The aircraft came down. <laughs> sorry. That sucks. Yeah, bummer, man. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You should have made it. He should have. When I say it's, I mean, it really sucks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> horribly, horribly sucks. Yeah. It's, yeah. Sorry, people. God. Well, you, I'm, I'm assuming that if, if you're, we're like 19 episodes in plus mini episodes. <laughs> I know. I'm hoping we that. We weeded out the, oh, they're such fools. <laughs> yeah. And also I hope that you, <laughs> hopefully by now people have picked up the fact that we are actually compassionate, but situations like these. You you have to laugh. You can't at. Help like, but what are you going to do? The desperate 
ridiculous insanity. The <laughs> ir- irony is, is this irony technically? Whatever, like life's <clears throat> ironies like this. Of course he was on the right path. Yeah, of exactly. course he was, but That's his gas ran out. Like, he was there. Fuck. God There's so it. many of those examples. And no, like, we come across that time and again. This isn't this even, this is more of a time save. It's not a self plug, but if you go back through our previous episodes, <laughs> it comes up a lot. There's so many things lot. where it's so close. Yeah. You had everything yeah. you needed and just yeah. one thing. That's where disasters come from. <laughs> All right. The aircraft came down in the intersection of two runways, skidding a thousand meters. A thousand meters. Yeah. And somersaulting at the end of the tarmac into the airfield. Uh, when the rescue team arrived, it was too late to save most of the victims. Mm-hmm. But Hui and his staff waded through heavy rain and mud to reach several passengers. Oh, good. Reports on the number of fatalities differ. Due to this, it can be estimated that of the 30 people on board, approximately 10 survived. Captain Greenwood was not one of the survivors. Mm. His wife and children, who had recently arrived to China to be with him for Christmas, would return to the United States with his body. Oh, boy. Merry Christmas. <clears throat> so that's... Thanks for tuning in. To Merry Christmas, by the way. Hope, <laughs> you're, Hope you're enjoying the uh, gingerbread. <laughs> having, having a little cocoa. That's cool. Uh-huh. That's nice. How are those slippers feeling? <laughs> <laughs> so two planes have gone down. Klein, a quote. He's yeah. our man. Mm-hmm. He's our man on the spot. Yeah. It was now abundantly clear that the other approaching aircraft were in extreme danger. The crew would have heard the last transmissions of CNA AC-140. Right. Preus, pil- piloting Flight 115, yeah. was the only one of the four pilots who had experience with the GCA system. But the radio and his C-46 couldn't transmit on the high frequency required to use it. Ugh. Another instance of so close. <sighs> exactly. Oh, GCA. No problem. Piece of cake. Oh, Lay it on it? me. Good. Oh, my radio doesn't work. <laughs> now, peris- perilously low on fuel, mm-hmm. Preus called into Longwa yeah. that he was on a long final. I looked that one up. That's okay. the position of the aircraft is between four and eight nautical miles right. on a long straight in approach for landing. And we know what a nautical mile is That now. is It's 1.8 kilometers. <laughs> a boom. Hey. Yeah. So you said between four and eight? Yeah. So, so between, <laughs> between eight and 16 kilometers. There you go. So he's headed back to Longwell yeah. for his, he's making a landing. From the tower, Prius's forward landing beams were visible for a moment about 50 feet off the runway. Preus called in that he wasn't happy with his first approach and he would go around, give it another try. Oh boy. Reynolds had returned to the tower to wait. Okay. According to him, here's a quote, yeah. Preus flew back and forth over the field several times, coming down as low as he dared. The Lungwa pagoda and chimneys of a nearby cement plant were serious hazards okay. in the soup that hid them. McDonald was talking to him all the time. Yeah. He was calm and confident. The fog had seemed to lighten a little. When okay. it seemed he was nearing the inner marker, there was a sudden dull-like sound, and then again, that awful silence. Oh boy. Yeah. Good. But it really speaks to the their demeanor, like yeah. he was calm right. the whole time. He was just doing the job. Well, I imagine like a lot of these people, a lot of these positions are staffed by war veterans at well, this yeah, point. You said that before. So it's, and it's, yeah, yeah. it's gotta be. It's, it's gotta another be. one where it's like, look, if I if I could sit in one of these planes while being shot at by Germans, exactly, I can deal with some fog this with a, a level head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not <laughs> going to lose it now. I mean, you know, exactly. They're not going to lose it. Turns out, as we've heard before in the bomber blitz, and we're hearing now, fog is not to be trifled no, with. So maybe take it's it a little, not. But <laughs> the Perhaps demeanor your for worst sure. Enemy. 
flying blind. If you can do this kind of technical task while getting shot at, probably not going to break a sweat. Yeah, probably you're not. not getting shot at. Yeah. So it's uh, it's it it demands a lot of respect. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It would be hours before rescue workers found the wreckage. Ugh. Uh, the airplane had crashed short of the airport in an area crisscrossed by canals. Hmm. So naval craft were used to reach it. The C-46 had hit the ground, skidded into a fortunately empty schoolhouse <laughs> and started a small fire. The wreckage was massive and the personnel who reached the scene declared that all 31 passengers had died. Ugh. Preus, however, survived. What? Yeah. Jeez. I know. But with disfiguring injuries that caused him enormous pain for the rest of his life. Mm. He was sent back to the United States for treatment he had his left leg amputated right. a few months later. Yeah. Seven years later, he developed leukemia and died in 1959. Oof. Mm. Not a great rest of his life. No, Jeez. Not really not. He told friends about the crash and he said the following, mm -hmm. when I was trying to land in the fog, I only had time to pray, dear God, please take care of me. Thy will be done. Then I had to concentrate on my instruments again. Badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's essentially, and if, if you're a non-believer, that's in essence, well, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if not. Here we go. No, I'm done. <laughs> Jeez. Everyone in the Lungwa Tower was left stunned by the catastrophic events. According to Klein, the numbing silence in the tower was broken by the sound of Captain Michael's voice. Right. Lungwa Tower, this is CNAC 147, mm -hmm. landed, Kiangwan, 1904, over and out. Oof. <laughs> so he landed. He landed. <sighs> That's a relief. Uh -huh. I thought that was going to go a different way. I know, right? <laughs> oh, God. When Michaels had reached Kiangwan that night, yeah. shortly before this glorious announcement uh -huh. I just laid on you. Yeah, right. His radio was able to pick up the ground instructions Okay. as he nosed his C-46 toward the runway. He was aware of the GCA system, but had never used it. Okay. <laughs> pilot Oliver Glenn would later write that the secret of GCA is the pilot's faith in the system. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Michaels had undoubtedly done just that yeah. as the operators watching Flight 147 on their radar began talking him down. I could I could totally see that being the limiting factor. It's it's kind of <clears> like the idea my dad used to he had his pilot's license and he was telling me about okay. flying at night. Okay. And you basically fly by instruments a lot of the times. Yeah. I could see that being the next level, someone telling you to fly like, oh, you got to turn a couple degrees left. Yeah, yeah. And you're looking out the window and you're like, but you don't see what I see. Right. Maybe, maybe I don't turn a couple maybe degrees left. <laughs> like, right. Because well, I just see do it. nothing. Yeah. So, Okay. What do I do next? So faith in the system. Don't stop telling me what to do. Exactly. Until the plane is on the ground and stopped. And you know what? Keep telling me what to do. After. <laughs> but I can totally see the same kind of people that we've talked about, these mid to late 20s war veteran pilots mm -hmm. having justifiably a lot of ego. Sure. So you have somebody on the ground telling you to turn a few degrees and then kind of thinking to themselves... I survived a war, <laughs> so don't tell me what to do. Yeah, maybe, but I think also training would kick into, it's like, yeah. my job is to fly this plane. Yeah. Your job is to tell me how to land. Yeah. I'm going to assume you're as good at your job as yeah. I am at mine. For sure, like for sure. We've been through it, so okay. So maybe it's a little bit of new technologies as that well. That would be the fact, maybe. like, what is yeah. this yeah. GCA stuff you're talking about? For sure. Interesting. Yeah, okay. but there is, uh, I remember seeing a movie called Pushing Tin, that sounds familiar. With John Cusack and Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. And it's all about yeah. aircraft yep. controllers and they just 
It's a comedy. It's not. Yeah. It's just a, a dramatic comedy. But there's yeah. a lot of stuff like they make jokes about it, like, oh, yeah, the, the, the pilots land the plane. Ha ha ha. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm a pilot. <laughs> Where like they make like, you know, they're doing all the work. Yeah. Fair enough. It's kind of funny. But yeah, I know. No one really knew about air traffic controlling yeah. when that album, when album, when that <laughs> music obsessed, when that movie came out. It's yeah. like, oh, is that how it is? Oh, cool. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Michaels later told a colleague that he didn't know if he saw the runway lights first or touched down first. Okay. <laughs> so they just talked him in. But <laughs> awesome. Francis Joseph Michaels remained in Shanghai as a pilot for a few more years before eventually moving with his family back to California. Right. He started a second career as a farmer okay. and later a third career in real estate. And he eventually passed away from cancer in 1982. Okay. So he... Got a good life. He led a that. good life following that. All right. Taking a lot of land based careers after <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I've done my time in the sky. Do you do you dig stuff as a farmer? How yeah. do I get closer to How the do I earth? Get under the earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as an extra bit of distress, there was also a fifth flight that night, oh, also shit. on route to Shanghai. Oh uh, no. It was feared lost for 24 hours oh, fuck. before airport staff learned that it had. Turned around. Uh, turn around. <laughs> Returned safely right. to Chungking. Ugh. Always turn around. Someone had it right. Went into, oh. Like, look you at remember, that fuck. Forget it. <laughs> you remember that list of rules we talked about during the Halifax episode? Rule number one, when in doubt, duck. Oh, yeah. Rule number two, <laughs> when in doubt, turn around. Turn around. That's number two. That's number two on the list. I got it. We, maybe we'll maybe, maybe we gotta, maybe should be put one. these on this website. Put them on a website. Once we once we finalize, let's say like we'll have the we'll have the ten golden rules of survival. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll put them on the website and we'll like carve them on a plaque or yeah. something. I mean Everest, you could yeah apply it to that. Too. Yeah, when when, when in doubt, turn around. When in doubt, turn around. Yeah, we've come this far. No, nope. Turn around. Sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing good money after eat uh, it at some point. <laughs> exactly. So the final count of those who died on. Black Christmas, mm. as it soon became known, still known amongst the uh, CNAC pilots. Yeah, exactly. story. Yeah, pretty appropriate. Uh, it's difficult to calculate. Records are incomplete. Eyewitnesses disagreed, mm. and the aftermath riddled with confusion in lieu of record keeping. Right. Several reports have the body count as sixty-two. Okay. Yet one official report has it as high as seventy-one. Jeez. Klein's account says seventy-four were killed on impact. Mm -hmm. or died later of their injuries. Okay. Uh, three of these killed were occupants of the houses near Kiangwan. Oh, yeah. The plane went flipping oh, out of the house. first one is a night... Well, they're all a nightmare. Yeah, but that but, one's like, holy... Yeah, you. I don't know if you've ever seen crashes at race events, like in Formula nope. One in the 70s or Le Mans mm -hmm. and stuff. That, that seems insane. That's back when they didn't have any kind of like safety requirements. So you'd have like a bale <laughs> right. of hay between the track and people. <laughs> and sometimes a car just takes a corner and flips and basically somersaults into a crowd. Right. So imagine a plane instead of a car into yeah. a neighborhood instead yeah, yeah, of yeah. a crowd <laughs> is a nightmare. People so just, say things were so much better. No. Back then? Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> they, they, that's because they watched like a couple episodes of Mad Men. Didn't they, didn't they dress nice back exactly. then? Couldn't you drink at work name. back then? Yeah. Okay, you've named two things. <laughs> they also still had smallpox. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You're forgetting all the garbage things. Yeah. By the way, smallpox in, a, in Mexico episode talks all about Check smallpox. Check it out. <laughs> so much for you Always. to listen to on your Christmas holidays. Hey, you got nothing to do. Go back to the catalog. <laughs> Hear how the Aztec Empire got destroyed by disease. Uh -huh. But don't worry, they took some of the Spaniards with them too. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Among the flight 
115 passengers who died was an air traffic control student on board for training. Damn. There's a really bad crash course joke in there. <laughs> oh, God. But I'm not going to say it. I'm bigger than that. I'm okay. going <laughs> to I'm gonna make the call on that one on the editing floor. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Two final victims of the Christmas tragedy were medics injured at Longwa. Injured, not killed. Mm-hmm. After their ambulance ran off the road in the fog. Ugh. The fog's a bitch for everyone. Jesus. <laughs> Move the airport. Damn fog. <laughs> yeah, I know. Move it. To another away planet. Just you know what? F- find an area that no doesn't fog. get covered in fog and yeah. then take a bus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When in doubt, turn around. When in doubt, turn around. <laughs> the effect on Shanghai's air future was immediate. Mm-hmm. Within months, the airlines, driven by the horror of the crashes and mm-hmm. by Chinese officials threatening to charge airline executives with criminal negligence, wow. yeah. added a new runway at Lunghua, mm-hmm. along with high-intensity lights capable of penetrating fog. Thank you. Not a line of gasoline. Exactly. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. A little late, but thanks. Yeah. Usually it takes something like that to get shit done. <sighs> this fog wasn't a rare occurrence there, it sounds like. No, it's every day. Every day. <laughs> oh, is it like seasonal? Nah, man. Every Three, six, day. Five, dude. I got one more little tidbit okay. for you. Hit me with the I usually let the other shoe drop at the end of the episode. Nice. It's my trademark. Excellent. December 26th, following day, the mm-hmm. United Press sent out a single line update from Shanghai. Okay. When salvage crews lifted the wreckage of one of the planes, they found four-year-old Wang Di mm. fast asleep, the only uninjured survivor of the aerial accidents. <laughs> oh, that's a nice ending. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Where's my mom and dad? Oh, well, let's... You had to You're run. alive. <laughs> God. Shit. The worst. Every silver cloud has a black line. That's that's true. <laughs> that should, that, is that one of the rules? Yeah. Maybe that's one oh, of yeah. the rules. No, Maybe no. that's number three. That's just life's rule. Yeah, okay. <laughs> wow. That is the Black Christmas disaster of 1946. That is a disaster. That's mm. at least three disasters in that's one. That's a disaster and a half-ster. Any one of those is a disaster. Oh, I know. But you put ugh. them all together. Oh my God. Woo wee. Oh, different time. Yeah. Different air time. travel was uh, a real crapshoot yeah. back then. Honestly, like li- th- you're, you're right that this is like a perfect companion episode to the bomber blitz. Episode oh yeah. Two. A lot of the similar circumstances. Fog. Fog and, and it's just miscalculation. Difference there is that, well, I guess it could have been way worse. He, he only hit the empire state building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could have gone way worse. Could have somersaulted into the rest of New York. True. True. Spoilers. Music? Yeah, music. Okay. I'll throw it over to you. Do I go first? Sure. For this disaster, you didn't really give me particulars on purpose, and you just kind of gave me some guidance. Like, think of flying blind and running out of gas. (laughs) That's what I said. (laughs) So for me, I kind of drew inspiration because maybe the only other aerial disaster we had was the Bomber Blitz one, and for that one, I kind of picked a post-rock kind of airy sort of band, and I decided to do a similar kind of thing here, because whenever I think of air disaster, for some reason, I always picture it in slow motion in my mind, and the track, backing track for that is always post-rock. I realize in retrospect that the band choice is a little bit on the nose, (laughs) but I picked the song First Breath After Coma, Okay. By the band Explosions in the Sky. (laughs) (laughs) Explosions on the ground. (laughs) Yeah. From the album, uh, 2003 album, The Earth is Not a Cold Dead Place. Uh Uh-huh. 
which I feel like this podcast is proving wrong. Yeah. The, curve, the Earth is a cold, dead we place. Beg to differ. <laughs> e I T S. Nice. <laughs> that was very hard. That was well played. But yeah, I, I picked it because it's sort of. I mean, I've, I've loved that song for a long time. It's one of the first songs that got me into post rock. Oh, nice. Two thousand three is around the time when I kind of discovered music that doesn't need words. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> got a revelation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It came to mind when you talked about this episode, and I hadn't listened to it for maybe at least a decade. Okay. So I listened to that song, First Breath After Coma, and it brought back like the 2003 feelings. <laughs> and it also helped now that I've heard this disaster. It, it totally fits for me because it's a very like that foggy, mysterious kind of aura, hearing the planes buzzing around and then these yeah. crashes. I feel like it's a kind of serene juxtaposition. Hmm. And you probably heard a bunch of it just now. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta listen to them more again. I haven't heard them in a while. They're great. They had an album that came out in 2016, I want to say. Okay. And I listened to a bunch of it today. Oh, uh, cool. While walk, well, okay. So I, I listened to half the first track today while walking my dog. Yeah. And then my Spotify cut out because my wife started listening to Mariah Carey at home because <laughs> it's Christmas, right? So yeah. Can't, we ha- can't we, falter for that. We, we sh- no, exactly. I, I wasn't even mad because then I wanted to listen to Mariah Carey wishing me a Merry Christmas. <laughs> anyway, as do oh, we are. Oh, and I'm sure actually after this podcast, put on that song. If you hadn't, pa- yeah, you if paused you it to it listen to this podcast, <laughs> unpause it and go back. Exactly. And then listen to more George Michael. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Over to you. So I kind of went in a post-rock uh, direction myself. Oh, cool. Although a bit of an offshoot. Mm-hmm. So the the band or the or the oh let's call it a band I chose is called Designer. Okay. I discovered them in 1996 when they put out I think it's one of their only releases was a 12 inch but they were kind of an offshoot from this band called Tortoise. Okay. This instrumental post rock kind of jazz yeah. jazzy band. Yeah. Who were I mean they're still going but at the time in 96 they were huge and I was big fan. Yeah. So I knew that there was an ex Tortoise member in this thing, mm-hmm. designer. It's just two guys, uh, Bundy K. Brown and mm-hmm. Casey Rice. Okay. It's kind of electronic music. It's almost techno, but it sounds very organic. Like it sounds like they're using really old equipment okay. and maybe even putting it through amplifiers. Oh, cool. So it's got this like electronic, but very organic sound to it. Yeah. So the song I chose is called Vandal. Okay. And it just has this like sort of like, caw, 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 like this going like this this like plotting kind of thing right. with all these sort of ambient sounds around it so it just made me think of like the airplane just going forward flying blind making these attempts like it's it sounds kind of stressful but it's like can, your thing as well like kind of yeah. serene yeah because these pilots are just trying they're staying calm yeah trying to get this landing uh yeah, yeah. so it, yeah it seemed to be a good soundtrack for Stress and serenity at the same yeah. time. And, and you're hearing a bunch right You're hearing a bunch right now. And that's an interesting point about the fog, too, is that it, like, generally, if I picture, when I picture fog in any unprompted, if someone just says fog to me, I usually picture fog, like, on a lake at a cottage. Yeah. Which is, that's, like, that's that's the fog you want. Yeah, nice early serene, in the morning. Just, oh. Coffee out on a deck, maybe. <sighs> the world is still. But it can <laughs> also really fuck your day if you're flying an airplane. <laughs> right? Context is everything. It's just like you were saying about, I think it might have been the tsunami episode where it's like, water is your friend. It gives you life. Yeah. It can also be a 10 foot, you know, 10 story tall wave that destroys your entire life. Yeah. So. Life and livelihood. Yeah. (laughs) 
So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Hope we added a little holiday cheer to your day. Yeah. Maybe maybe channel this negativity when you're standing in line for Boxing Day deals tomorrow and just <laughs> elbow some faces. Yeah. Not that I'm condoning you elbowing faces. Well, it's your choice. It's up to you. Yeah. You do you do what you feel is right. Exactly. So if you want to help us out, best thing you can do is to follow us on social medias at this disaster pod, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Tell all your friends about our podcast if you like what you hear. Just, you know, spread, spread the Christmas cheer. If you want to give us a Christmas present on this Christmas day, message a friend right now and say, listen to This is a Disaster. It's a great podcast. That's a great present. About about disasters. And the music they make us listen to. (laughs) That's the the tagline. Tell all your friends. Yep. Tell a whole bunch. I think I just ate a hippopotamus for lunch. Wow. Anyone remember that commercial? <laughs> oh, okay. No. I thought you made that up on the spot. No, it's for Zoodles. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Anyway. Three people. No, <laughs> Someone's excited. <laughs> you can also leave a review wherever you listen. That helps a lot. Uh, you can check out our website, www.thisdisasterpod.com. And next time, when you rejoin us in the new year, Ooh. we have, okay, we have one more episode. We have a Tragedy Tuesday, and yeah. it's going to be, it's a doozy. I'll it's give you a spoiler. It's a deucey. <laughs> We've recorded it and it's it's a great way to end your 2019. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. So early in the new year, we're coming back with uh, another film fiasco. Oh. And we're going to be joined by a special guest and we're going to be talking about how depictions of the end of the world have evolved. In Hollywood. Yeah. And we're going to talk about how we all picked a movie and I shot myself in the foot with the one that I picked. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that in 2020. That's a disaster. And Yeah. So enjoy your Christmas. Hug a loved one because it could all end at a moment's notice. Bye. <laughs> Bye.